Welcome, everybody. My name is Pav Bryan. I'm co-founder and performance director here at Spokes, and you are listening to Bespoke, the cycling and triathlon training podcast. I am delighted to be uh, joined by Martin Green off of uh, Shockbox today. Uh, Shockbox make arguably the world's best bike box, uh, and I can tell you that... uh, uh, I, I really stand by that statement because I have I have one and I have a bike box, Alan, and I can tell you my shock box is far superior. How are you doing, Martin? How's your day going? I'm very good, thank you, Pav, and it's nice to speak to you. And thanks for that great introduction. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, I, I, honest, honestly, your bike box is amazing. I know we've talked about bike box, Alan, in the industry being the gold standard for for many years but but shock box is really miles better and we'll we'll find out why that is in a moment but just for the listeners uh what you're going to get from this podcast is by the end of it we're going to have you confident enough to be able to navigate an airport your vacation your holiday with your bike box because i tell you what it is probably the most stressful part of going on holiday with a bike is uh, is traveling with a bike box so martin and i we've got some great little hacks that we're going to help you uh help you navigate that process but martin Martin, I'm going to hand back to you now. Why don't you tell us just why Shockbox is so much better than the competition? Well, uh, Pab, most cases in the market are based around a 10-year-old design. And Shockbox is a unique design and was specifically engineered around the modern bike and the journey of the modern traveller. Uh, we added lots of innovations, uh, such as TSA-integrated latches, integrated anti-crush system, crumple zones, reinforced protection zones and what they do is they protect the rear mech and the dropouts for example we made the case to accommodate uh, disc brakes and and of course through axles and of course uh, the shockbox is the only case with gps tracking and it comes with a, uh, a lifetime warranty as well Absolutely. And you've done a great job. And for the listeners on this, the aim of this podcast today, we're obviously we're going to take you through uh, the best practices for for, for tra- traveling with your bike box. And uh, I've got some really interesting and quite funny hacks as well for uh, for not just traveling with a bike box, but for flying in general for those people who are uh, who are high, who don't do that that often. So actually, what we did with this, Martin, is we I, I put this out to our, our members of our um, spokes uh, uh, performance training support group on Facebook and uh, came back with some interesting questions. So we're going to go through some of these. So I'm going to jump straight in. And uh, uh, for, for, for those who, uh, who have been unfortunate enough to um, to suffer some sort of uh, damage to their bike box, uh, obviously probably not in one of yours, but, but uh, what's the best process for claiming for di- damages? Well, I mean, the process is either A, to take out insurance prior to travel that's probably the most sensible option the reality is if your bike is damaged in transit you do have a legitimate claim from the airline the reality is you don't necessarily know that your bike has been damaged until you've left the airport and once you've left you have no basis of a claim so unless you are able to to inspect your bike before you leave the airport uh, that then really you would have to rely on on taking out some insurance prior to traveling absolutely so we're talking the the most the number one thing and, and to be honest this is most people probably have some form of travel insurance but we just make yeah. sure that it covers the bike i mean i think yeah, that's, but, a, that's a no-brainer isn't it yeah i mean we 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 are actually talking to uh, uh an insurance company at the moment about um covering transit 
for all of our bike cases. And that's something that's just uh, a little bit further up the road, so I can't say too much about it. Uh, but it is something that a lot of insurance companies offer, and it doesn't cost a fortune. It's one of those things that many people don't really think about doing until after they need it. A little bit like when you uh, you send a parcel and you don't expect it to go missing, but it does, and then you wish you'd taken out the insurance before. Yeah. I think it's always wise to make sure that the bike is covered. We don't expect it to get damaged, but it can happen. Uh, I mean, I, I I can say that you know, in the in the years that we have been um, manufacturing bike cases, we we haven't had uh, a recorded nothing that we know about anyway. Certainly, uh, a, a bike damaged in transit, really because of the way that the case is designed. But again, it, it, I mean, it could happen. I mean, in, in in extreme circumstances, let's say for example. Um, the aeroplane reversed over your bike box <laughs> while it was on the runway, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, quite clearly, your bike box and your bike would be destroyed, and you would have the basis of a claim from the airline. But always better to have your own insurance to, to, to back that up. Yeah. To the value of your bike, I mean, you know, that you, your kit is everything to you. And, you, you, you know, you don't want to kind of get to an event and find out that your bike is damaged because yeah. then you're, you're stuffed, aren't you? You can't... Yeah. Absolutely. I think and I think it's worth pointing out as well, like typical typical sort of travel insurance is I mean, it obviously depends on how much you spent on your trip, but you're you're talking about five percent or less probably of the total yeah. value of your trip is going to be how much your insurance is going to cost. So it's really, really a fraction uh and and actually what it will do is if you get a good policy um not only are you going to be covered against uh, anything that might go wrong with your bike but they'll probably pay for you to hire a new bike they'll uh, they'll cut, do all of these things um and yeah. they'll make it a lot easier a heck of a lot easier than trying to deal with uh, a um a flight and uh, i think actually on a personal note i've had this where i've um especially because i for those that listeners that don't know i i, I live in the, on the west coast of america now so if i'm flying to anywhere other than a major city in europe i'm getting two flights and now that is where it usually goes wrong in terms of uh uh, transfer in a bike box so uh, I've had on, on, on the way to GCM Mallorca my bike got lost and it was two days late thankfully I didn't need to ride but but an insurance company will go out go out of their way to make sure that you can get a, can get like a, a a replacement hire bike for that and uh, whereas an air an airline is literally going to get you your bike and uh, and that's it you you'll struggle to get any money out of them so insurance yeah. worth its weight in gold completely but oh, let's, totally yeah, so let's uh, excited stuff as well, actually, Martin. Really exciting to hear that you're probably going to be a pioneer in the industry, in the bike box industry, and in, in terms of including insurance uh, with yeah. with your bike boxes. So, so well done there, man. It's uh, really good. Nice. And um, let's let's talk a little bit about actually traveling with the the, the bikes. Now, obviously, we'll be specific to the shock box, but if we could try to um, try to open this up and just talk about, are there any tricks to make packing a bike into a bike box easier? The easiest way to pack uh, a bike into a bike box is to use a shock box. I had to say that. <laughs> Just because we make it so simple. Um, it would really depend on uh, the, the, the bike that you intend to take with you. There, there, there are no special tricks, really. I mean, 
use some tape to mark off the seat posts so you know the height of the of the of the seat height also use a, a second piece of tape on the bars uh, and draw a small arrow pointing to the position of where your handlebars were before you move them from the stem and the rest is pretty straightforward wheels out skewers out pop the wheels in the bags and the bike just pops in straps into place and that's it as long as the bike is packed securely, there's no not not really any need to remove the mech. Unless you ride a very large bike, and we're talking something over 62 centimeter, which is a I mean is a very big bike, you you wouldn't in most instances need to remove the chain set, uh, even with a, an integrated seat post. It should just pop straight in. When when you say any hacks, not really. Uh, it is pretty straightforward. Pedals off, wheels off, bike goes in. It is as simple as that with your bike box. <laughs> I, mean, I think, I think, I think, I think a lot of there's a lot of videos out there on packing bike boxes, and they do tend to overcomplicate it. Um, you know, it can be made to look quite difficult. You yeah. turn the left pedal this way, the right pedal that way. This is how you take a skewer out. There are too many steps. It's quite straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Most of us can remove a wheel. Most of us can remove a pedal, and it, it is that straightforward. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, before we talk about tools, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, we should, uh, I, I should mention about pedals. I, I recently uh, got some um, uh, Favero Asioma pedals and uh, oh, wow. power meter pedals. Very nice. I got a very good deal on them. They're actually really good and they're perfect for the fact that I have bikes kind of in, in various countries in the well, in UK and the US, so two countries. Um, but I, I should mention to, to people as well that uh, if you're using something that that is uh, not necessarily a crank uh, or, or hub-based thing. Your pedals are going to be like continuously on the whole journey because they're going to be thinking they're going to be some sort of like mechanism in there. And my pedals did die, uh, and I forgot the charger. So it's always worth remembering to bring your power meter charger with you when you go anywhere because that's uh, uh, it was annoying to try and uh, race up the the GCN Avorias com with no power. But there we go. My mistake is uh, is your reward. So what tools do you need, Mark? to to take apart uh, a bike again very very basic depending i mean there are some specialized tools for some uh some of the pinch bolts um you know they may be torque but generally you'll need a four mil and a five mil allen key uh possibly a pedal spanner uh, and again depending on which pedals you have for example if you have a look pedal you'll use an eight millimeter allen key to remove them uh, otherwise, just a standard pedal spanner, uh, a pump uh, of some description that you'll need to reinflate your tires. Although generally, I tend not to deflate my tires. Uh, airline rules do say to do that, but I, I can't think of a scientific reason as to why I would need to totally deflate them. So, uh, four it's mil. It's probably. I'm just going to jump in there. But I'm going to say as well, just in terms of bringing a pump uh yeah there's uh there might be times where you just bring a pump anyway if you're going on holiday to a group event then yeah you're probably going to get away with it especially if it's so yeah, yeah. supported but yeah a pump's a really worthwhile thing and it's interesting that you say that because i actually uh my 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 father uh very kindly got my um my tubs on my my bikes replaced and the, and the bike that stays at the the parents house in the uk and uh yeah. he he packed it all up and i opened it up in avorias and i was like god he's left the he left the he left the air in the tub and 
I, and I honestly, I didn't realise that it was just uh, it was just something that the airlines say. I didn't realise that. I, I thought there might have been a, an issue where they could expand and explode or something like that. But I guess yeah. that's, that's just a, a, an old wives' tale, I guess. I think so. I mean, I, yeah. I can't actually think of a, a sign. I mean, maybe one of your uh, listeners will, will, will uh, come back to us with a, uh, an answer on that. Well, I can't think of a scientific reason why you would need to deflate them. Awesome. Uh, well, that's so, good. Good news for those who are... Uh, take a pump. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Very good. Uh, it's good preparation to bring a pump. And obviously, uh, no gas, no compressed gas, because you are going to lose that in your bike case if they, uh, yeah, if they, they will open take that, that up. They'll take them out, especially if you're travelling from America. They uh, Every every bike box gets opened up in America. In, the, in Europe, you, you put it in the x-ray machine and you can stand there while they x-ray it and they'll tell you if it's okay or not right there. But in, in America, yeah. they take it off of you and then basically you open your bike box up later and you've got that little slip in there that says the TSA have opened it up and you've either been good or you've been naughty and uh, there's different degrees of naughtiness as well now I don't know if that's always been the same but there's stuff that you shouldn't have in there because uh, of common sense like the compressed gas or anything and then there's stuff that's illegal to be in there and I've obviously never had the illegal one and I don't know what actually applies I guess that's something that they specifically say don't take but um interesting uh how how different their countries are but um pop that's a pro- that's another podcast really discussing the tsa and the, and the way that they're they're yeah. wrong but but let's talk about um hacks for traveling with your bike now i really wanted to bring up um this one which again listeners correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty certain that dc rainmaker is an advocate of uh, traveling with his bike in a non-bike box or bag uh, and the reason he does this is that obviously the guy travels a heck of a lot for uh, going to different events and is on flights all the time. So he travels and he gets it into a box and then argues that it is just normal check-in baggage, uh, which obviously brings down the cost. Uh, and I presume he has insurance for any things that go wrong. But basically, he saves enough money over a year or the lifetime of the bike before it either gets damaged or needs replacing just in fees than he would if uh, if if, uh, if they if he was to sort of pay the extra bit. So, uh, how, what what do you think of that? Is that is that? I mean, you've got to be flying an awful lot for that to be worth the risk, surely. I imagine so. I mean, yeah. I imagine you have to take a hell of a lot of flights to uh, to to make that kind of saving. Kind of what fifty, sixty flights a year is he doing? Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, obviously, the listeners, or uh, please let us know if we've got this slightly wrong. But that's uh, that. I think was the last thing I, I wrote and I read, and I was uh, very interested to see that. But I've got I've got another one now. My my client and good friend Eduardo from uh, Mexico, who's uh, an aspiring uh, sort of going to be professional athlete, perhaps in the next few years, is uh, he flies a lot with his bike. Now he brought up a really interesting one, and I think that there's uh, no risk really in this. But he gets. Uh, check-in staff to uh, measure your box now what he says he does is uh, when you get there they say is it oversized you say no it's not oversized it's obviously oversized but if you ask them to measure it nine times in ten they won't have any way to measure it and you might get away with it just being normal check luggage (laughs) (laughs) i've never come across that it's a fantastic little hack there i think and uh, uh, i think that again it's one of those things where you might just get told to bugger off but but i think if it works then you're going to possibly be saving a fair bit of money but i guess if it doesn't work then you, you are going to have to pay anyway wouldn't you so exactly it's, it's worthwhile. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think the only risk actually thinking about it right now, the only risk there is that it's usually cheaper to to pay for your bike box before getting to the airport. So you, you know, might um, be you might be paying a little bit more if they won't let you get away with it. And they might have you stand in line as well while they go fetch a tape measure. Uh I mean, we'll see. For example, uh, you know, British Airways, uh a well, one airline, Norwegian airline as well, and Swiss Air. I've traveled with all of those in the last twelve months. And they include the bike as part of your allowance anyway. So that's a really uh, interesting thing to bring up because uh, that's that's something that's quite cyclical. Um, we, I, when I first started traveling with my bike box, yeah, the likes of Virgin, BA, everybody did that as standard. It would come as a check bag. So if you have one check bag yeah. and you bought your bike box, that could be it. Uh, yeah. And then over the, over a period of time, they all cancelled it, and uh, and everybody was like, "Oh man, we're having to pay the eighty to, to." I mean, it's probably around eighty to two hundred dollars between uh, or equivalent yeah, yeah. pounds, depending on how many flights or where you're going and what airline. But what I love is that now they're bringing it back in. Now Aer Lingus, I'm flying with them tomorrow um, to go to sell back with GCN. They're they're free, and uh, there's been a big hurrah in America because Delta have just announced that they're going to allow you to fly with your bike for free. Or as part of check baggage again and i kind yes. of seem to be the only person that remembers that they 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 got rid of it not so long ago and i could i wait for wait yeah. for the wait for them to to get rid of it again well i'm sure i'm sure uh I, in my experience i think i wasn't aware that ba had got rid of it or norwegian uh but it is good to know that uh the airlines that didn't do it are starting to bring it back in yeah uh, absolutely I mean, I think it is weight dependent, isn't it? You know, I certainly know with BA, it's kind of as long as it's uh, under 25 kilos, then it, it's part of your check baggage. So you kind of have to be quite careful that you don't overload it with nutrition and one thing and another. Just try to keep at that 25 kilos and uh, put everything else in your, in, in your uh, carry on. And uh, it, it, uh, it it's always worked quite well for me that. Yeah, absolutely. There's some great tips there. It's actually uh, like everything everything that has to go in the bike box as well. There'd be your your your, your toiletries, but uh, also it's worth pointing out as well that you do need to have some form of like uh, small toiletries in your in your carry on. Obviously, below the uh, uh, the the liquid allowance because uh, you don't yeah. want them taken away. But uh, if your bike goes missing, uh, and they often do, you don't want to have to uh, be going to a pharmacy or, or something like that just uh, just to to get those bits because you're already going to be fairly stressed. So if you can put some in your check too, but anything larger does have to go in that bike yeah. box. And I think, what about weighing your bike box before the airport, Martin? Uh, are you? Uh, what do you think? I, I mean, I always do because you just never know. It's very, very simple to stand on the scales and then stand on the scales with your bike box. Absolutely. And it's going to—it's not—it's not perfect, but it works, and you'll generally know where you're going to be. Uh, yeah. different, different airlines, certainly in the UK, you know, with the 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 the, the, the airlines that I, I I tend to use, there are ones that I do avoid, uh, um, but uh, but generally they they're quite good. Quite often we get to the the check-in desk and they don't even bother to weigh them. You know, it's just yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm not trying to pick on Ryanair, but kind of Ryanair, for example, we had an experience recently where. The girl checking us in didn't even know the weight. Uh, It it was supposed to be 32 kilos, and she thought it was 30. So 
uh, we didn't get into a fight about it, but uh, she was she was actually wrong. It's always wise, I think, before you travel, just to check with the airline. And sometimes you read the information and it, it doesn't quite add up. So sometimes a phone call to them just to uh, get that clarification is, uh, is, is worthwhile. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. It's, it, it almost seems like a bit of overkill at the time, but actually what you're going to be doing is is de-stressing at the airport by having this all worked out, this little bit of preparation, because yeah, yeah. there's nothing more stressful than trying to trying to check in a bike. And then, of course, with your bikes, if, you, if you're new to doing that, I can't think of an airport that doesn't have a separate area for oversized. So you, you're going to have to go do. to the oversized and stuff like that. Well, so, yeah, it's um, you kind of you've got to check your bike in and then take it over to the oversized yeah. uh, belt. And then once you've you've handed it over, you kind of you then can relax. I think absolutely. It's, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a little bit. I mean, I do it quite a lot, uh, and it, it 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 can be a little bit stressful. When you know when you're met by a, a, a member of staff that that's not necessarily trying to be very helpful, and that's the worst part about it, I think. The actual packing of it is really straightforward, and the unpacking is really straightforward. And I think that once you've uh, managed to uh, get your bike out of the car and into the airport, it's generally uh, pretty straightforward. I think. Uh, yeah completely agree i think uh, just a little funny story on, on this subject so i met a guy who actually told me that he uh, rather than hiring or buying a bike box he decided and he was a very resourceful man he decided to build one so he built built one out of wood packed his bike which was already fairly heavy and all his stuff into it and took it to the airport and uh, was ridiculously overweight so uh, i think that they they and, and it was i don't I, correct me if i'm wrong i think it was several hundred pounds they were quoting to take him because it was that yeah, overweight and oversized yeah. And, uh, and they basically, they took it away. They took everything they could out of it, took it back, still overweight. And so they had one more go. And they said that they managed to get away with it because they were leaning over and kind of propping it up on the, on the, on the scale. So they were taking some of the weight off. <laughs> and they managed to get it through. Incredible. It through. But yeah, they did. Yeah, he said that he did. But he's not, never done that again. Um, and I think he's probably right. You probably wouldn't ever do that again. Because I tell you what, at the airport, you're not going to be able to buy a bike box are you You're, no. they give you they give you a cardboard box sometimes don't they and i heaven forbid i'm not packing my bike in a, in a cardboard box away the bike the bag handlers uh, do that it's, so it's not something that i would ever do i mean i have used soft bags before and there's always that argument soft bag hard bag hard case uh would you use a cardboard box i know guys that have used soft bags and cardboard boxes for years and years and have managed to get away with it uh, and then I know people that have got away with it, and then it catches them out. You know, it, it's a, it's a numbers game. The more flights you make, the more likely that is going to happen, uh, where you could sustain some damage. I I I think generally baggage handlers do try to uh, treat the baggage respectfully. But I mean, I can imagine coming towards the end of a long shift, and you've got a big cumbersome box it's much easier to throw it than it is to maneuver it around uh, and especially if that bike box uh, uh, is is 30 something kilos and not particularly easy to maneuver 
Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a bit stressed and he, he's just going to think, oh, you know, generally they, they tend to look after bike boxes and uh, they'll know what's in them uh, and, and your bike will come out uh, in the same shape that you put it in. Uh, it's just occasionally that, you know, that, that can happen. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we flew back last week from Girona uh, and I was sitting in seat number 30 something by the window uh, and on this particular flight, everybody had to uh, disembark from the front. So I was going to be one of the last off. And then they started to unload uh, the luggage, and I could see out of the window. And they, you know, they, it was a Jet 2 flight, and they were so uh, respectful when they were taking off the the bike boxes. And of course, the, mine and my wife's bike boxes both came out. And he didn't know that I was watching for my bike box but he was very respectful he popped them onto the trolley uh, and and then you know they were taken away and uh, and it, it was nice to see that they weren't being lumped about uh so generally i think baggage handlers do get a bad rap but uh, i think one of the things that we did when we were designing our case we looked at the the journey of the uh of the baggage handler as well as the journey of the cyclist and try to make it as easy as possible for him to move it around. Therefore he wouldn't want to throw it. So, uh, yeah, it's a good, little, a good, good, uh, good testimonial there. I think that, yeah, possibly, uh, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I think, um, that it's, it's hard for them to maintain a good reputation because when they do it right, they don't get, it doesn't get noticed, does it? It's no. like, oh, they're, they're, your bag's not damaged fantastic but when it is damaged you kind of uh, do that and i mean i remember seeing a, a bag falling off the back of a uh off of one of the carts when they were uh, after they'd got it all off before and you kind of just think oh that's uh not not a good advert but good good for uh good for those guys and um let's let's talk a little bit about uh booking the flight because here's the here's the thing that i found now i use google flights um to to book because i think that they've probably got the most powerful comparison um but the, the thing is more often than not the cheapest flight will be someone like you said mentioned ryanair and EasyJet. now i i i'm not a fan of uh of EasyJet. they've uh they're inconsistent with their um with their messages and i've i've I got punished by i i think actually last time i flew EasyJet, i had two carry-ons and i couldn't get one carry-on into the other and uh, they charged me pretty much the same price of a seat on the plane for for the, the carry-on which was very frustrating because flying the yeah. other direction i got away with it so yeah my fault for not for thinking i'd get away with it again but uh, but it's very annoying um now the only problem is is that actually google doesn't have and i don't think there is any search engine that does this has the ability to factor in a bite box so no. or sports your... equipment generally no. exactly so how do you go about booking your flights um to make sure that you get the best price because my point being is that flying budget and then you add in a bag and maybe a bite box uh, and then a, probably a meal if you're doing a long haul uh, you're probably already if not more expensive than a, a medium priced airline so what's your process for doing this martin well, there are go-to airlines for me, so I, I will generally look for a BA flight. I know that that BA flight is going to cost me a couple of quid more, but I know that I can take my bike with me as part of my allowance, so I factor that in. Um, the second go-to airline for me is Jet2. Uh, they're a budget airline. Uh, they uh, have fairly low-cost flights. They're not always the cheapest, 
but I do know it's only going to cost me 30 quid for 32 kilos for my bike. That's good. Uh, as well as um, my uh, 10 kilo carry-on, which they never seem to weigh when you use them. And then, you know, they have a number of destinations and they're the go-to airlines. If I have to use Ryanair, if I really do, uh, which I tend to avoid because they're going to charge me 120 quid to take my bike. So it could be that I'll find a flight with them for £15 to um, Milan, Bergamo, for example, uh, where I might, if I wanted to go to Lake Como or Lake Garda, I'd fly to. Uh, so I might get a, a return flight for 30 quid. But on top of that, I've then got to find 120 quid to take my bike which I'll tend to avoid doing unless I really have to. And what I'll tend to do is, if, if it's a long-haul flight, I will check individually what the cost is to take the bike for for each carrier. So before I booked anything, if, if Swiss Air came up, for example, I know that I can take my bike. Norwegian, I know that I can take my bike. And I would check the cost of taking that with me. Absolutely. I think that's a really, really good, uh, good tip there. So... Um... Great to have that uh, insight knowledge there. Thank you, Martin. So before we move on to general tips for flying, because I've I've dug up some really interesting tips here, but I wanted last point here on bike boxes, and that is you've got to be careful about where the, the, the check-in staff stick that big, long barcode, because especially in America, you cannot, you cannot put that through a, a handle hole if that handle is going to, if you, if you have to open the bike box and rip off that, that label, yeah. because that label won't re-stick back down, uh, and no. you might be in the poo there. So, I always, always get them to stick that long label on the side of a bike box and then make sure you get as many of those little barcodes that they have in different places around that because if that long one falls off and there's no backup barcodes, uh, your well, bike actually, is lost in the system, isn't it? I have actually got, well, just going back to hacks, I have got a couple of little hacks for that. Oh, if you excellent. don't mind just taking you back to that. Please do. So when, uh, if you look at the the, the handle in the centre of a, a shock box, there is actually a, a slit that goes all the way through both handles where they can feed that long sticky label. But as you say, if the TSA were to open it, that that becomes detached. So when you're at the check-in desk and they're going to put that um, uh, that label on, if you just open the case slightly, it can go through one side of the handle. And therefore, if they open it, it, it won't matter because the label will still be attached. Perfect. The second hack is that sometimes the little barcodes, because they have half a dozen of them on the label, sometimes they don't stick very well because of the nature of the plastic. Uh, it's, it's quite oil-based, so things tend not to stick very well. But we found that sticking them on the latch, because it's only a small kind of uh, half a centimetre by three centimetres, will actually stick to the side of the latch and it will hold there quite well. In fact, uh, I, I had a bit of trouble picking one off. So you can, <laughs> yeah. you can, stick, you can stick one to the side of uh, the combination latch on the top, actually on the latch itself, and it will stay there. Or when they come to put the long label through with the barcode on, okay, if you just open the case slightly, they can feed that through one side of the handle instead of through both sides, which means if security do open the case, 
then that long label still stays in place. It works really well. That's a great tip. Great couple of tips there, Martin. That's fantastic. Um, uh, because do you know what? That's that's news to me as well. It's a really good one. I'm already already looking forward to to, to implementing that one on my next flight. So let's talk about general tips for flying here, because I've got some amazing ones. Uh, first okay. one's a personal one. Now, uh, long haul flights, ten ten hours plus on a, on a plane. It's always an absolute ball ache, but. There's a few things that I like to employ. Now, first of all, I obviously, I, I, I have some intolerances, dairy and gluten, and I'm also allergic to nuts. So I have to order a, a specialty meal. Um, the best thing about this is, is that you're almost going to get yours first before everybody sure. else now now most people on the face of that are going to think okay well I'm, i might not be hungry straight away that's that's absolutely fine but what you do by getting to the front of the queue is you also manage to get to, to the point where there's not going to be anyone using the restrooms or no, messing around so you're going to be able to eat your food and then if you wanted to have a little sleep you could have like your, your water go brush your teeth whatever you're going to do and then not be a line because everybody else is eating so uh make sure if you you want uh, that little hack uh, three days okay. before book your speciality meal um, and uh, and you get it before everybody else uh, I'm very much aware now that I've told everybody everybody's going to be doing that and I'm not going to be able to get on there <laughs> Uh, also got a few more and these ones are really good no brainer really for us who uh, who exercise a lot but uh, exercise before going to the airport if you can get out on a bike ride um, boost your endorphins uh, makes you less grumpy uh, boost your immune system after you when you're recovering and also help you fall asleep if you're doing a, a, a long flight that's uh, I love that one so um, and again another one which actually would tie into when we were talking about the check-in stuff earlier is just be nice to to them and the flight attendants because uh, you know what if you're nice to them uh, you're probably going to get be- taken care of a lot better than if yeah. you're grumpy and you swear and shout at them isn't that right Martin definitely well I would never swear and shout at them no, <laughs> <laughs> no but I've seen that I've seen that at airports I see people who are uh, who get very stressed and uh, and like yeah. so unfortunately do take that out and i can guarantee they're not the people that are going to get an upgrade they're not going to get their food served served first or anything like that so be nice is just uh, is probably the the best one um now here's an amazing hack that actually a tsa agent at uh, an airport in america told the wife and i uh, and that is yes you can't bring liquid through uh through uh, security but you can bring frozen liquid through security. So granted, it has to be 100% frozen. It can't be half melted. But if you bring a cooler with you, uh, and then I think you you probably need to leave the cooler in in the car or whatever. But if you get through security quick enough, you can bring any liquids you want as long as they're frozen. And uh, his point was he brings like 100 miniatures of like little bottles of alcohol uh, and so that he doesn't have to pay for the expensive ones on flights or in airports. But uh, I'm not sure sure we're advocating that but there'll be people who are probably thinking oh that's great because they don't want to spend five dollars on a, on a bottle of water at the airport or something like no. that uh let me see that's right hydrated during your flight would you come down on that say, say that again sorry martin staying hydrated during the flight 
Yeah, absolutely. So hydration is going to be uh, probably the number one factor in uh, in, in avoiding or, or dealing with uh, jet lag. Uh, so there's a lot of sort of science coming out that actually the biggest the biggest issue of jet lag is actually a, a, a giant shift in or a fluctuation in our electrolytes. So yeah, avoid alcohol, avoid caffeine, um, and just to hydrate with lots of water. And uh, if you need to, just some maybe some sodium or even electrolyte tablet and uh, and you should you should stay uh, hydrated and uh, and then not have to not worry too much about the jet lag and that that actually brings me on to another really great point do not get ice with your drink uh, the same reason as you don't get ice really with uh, uh, in any developing country because uh, the ice is probably come from tap water uh, yeah it's the same thing that comes on the uh, on the planes most often ice cubes have come from the water tank uh, which is not as clean as you might think it is and it could be the reason you get sick ah <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not it doesn't get better either, Martin, I'm afraid. My next tip is wipe down your table tray, uh, because you know what, they don't clean those as much as you think they might <laughs> and you eat off of it. You so... know, as soon as, you, as soon as you said that it made sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's uh, it's scary stuff. We all we all know and we all hear the stories about planes being the place where you get sick. But actually, like when you when you break it down and talk about it like this, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty scary. Um, one that actually can do to prevent is uh, keep the air on, even if you're cold. Uh, I mean, pack a sweater in your in your hand baggage uh, because you don't want to turn that air off. Uh, amazingly, having the air on actually blows germs away from you. Uh, I know there's a, a lot of stories about the the cycled air recycled air in an airplane is how you get a cold one person on the airplane has a cold and it just goes around and everybody gets it but actually apparently the air being on your face or your, or your body blows the germs away uh, and also keep your skin from getting too dry as well so uh yeah. so that's a, a nice little hack there um blankets uh, yeah you can't it, it, unless it's in a sealed plastic bag uh, you don't want to use that so if you think that that's been recycled someone else has used that do not touch that blanket because you're uh, there's all kinds of germs on that. Um, and uh, one little last one. I love this one because this is one that I'm going to start employing with my wife is that if you're traveling as a couple, book a window and an aisle seat. Now, on the face of it, you're like, why would you do that? Because you want to sit next to each other. Well, here's why. Unless you've got a fully booked flight, nobody is going to pick that middle seat. The middle seat is the seat that nobody wants. You either want a window or an aisle. Uh, and the middle seat in between two people, nobody's going to pick. So you stand a very big chance uh, of actually having three seats to yourself, uh, which is great news, isn't it, if you're traveling as a couple to have that seat next to you. I got that straight away. Amazing, yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I've got long legs, I, and uh, and I always, I always pay the little bit extra to get a seat with, well, a seat with no seats in front of me as best as possible. Now, uh, I flew with Thomas Cook to Avorias, and uh, I, not only did I get a great seat, it wasn't, it well, obviously with a budget airline, you pay through the nose for this. Norwegian, a, a great actually, I'll tip Norwegian on this because I think that picking your seat is included. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think as long as you're the first person to pick your seat, you can get pretty much anywhere on the plane. Uh, but with uh, Thomas Cook and uh, EasyJet, all the cheap ones, you really are paying $50, $100 perhaps for, for the seat. Um, the now, I, 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I picked, and it was great. I picked a seat, and uh, and I loads of legroom in front of me, and I was like, "This is going to be amazing." I, uh, I'm, I and amazingly, they shut the doors, and there's nobody sat next to me. So I'm like, "This this doesn't happen to me often, but it is always when I'm paying for a seat. Usually, I'll have nobody sat next to me, or sometimes. So I'm like, excellent, because you know what it's like. You've got all your bottles of water, you've got like your laptop, maybe your phone, and you put it in the seat next to you, and it's like bliss. Well, unfortunately for me, the flight attendant comes along and says to me uh we're going to have to sit somebody next to you and proceeds to bring around this now it seemed like a lovely guy but i've got to say it this absolutely huge guy he was massive to sit next to me uh sat him down and uh yeah and and uh, for the for the whole flight 11 hours to manchester i had this giant guy sat next to me and without being too rude he was spilling over onto my seat and i couldn't get my tray (laughs) table out it was a bit of a nightmare and uh uh, and i kind of felt like i should have complained to thomas cook because i can guarantee that's his little hack is that he gets in a seat and uh and then waits for everybody to get on and then says have you got anything that i could sit on better um so there we go Never mind, eh? But that's uh, Thomas Cook. We're, um, that's what you get for flying budget. Um, so, Martin, uh, fantastic to have you on. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I hope the listeners have enjoyed this. If listeners want some more information on how just how epic the Shockbox is, head to the website, which is shockbox.co.uk. Is that right, Martin? That's correct. Yes, thank you. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, and seriously, check it out if you're looking for a new bike box. I, I strongly recommend uh, uh, having a word with Martin about how he could do it. So, Martin, again, once th- thank you for thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again for having me, Pav. Absolutely, and listeners, uh, please do make sure you share the podcast, uh, leave us a comment or uh, a like, and uh, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you, everybody. My name is Pav Bryan. I'm co-founder and performance director at Spokes, and you have been listening to Be Spoked. <laughs>